Like when you're doing the shows and you got your couple of people that are there and you're like, fuck it, bro. Y'all are going to be so hyped that you came to this show when you pull up and yeah, you see yeah, me yeah. in the World <laughs> Stadium. Like, nah, I saw it when it was just us. Like, Yeah, nah, and that's the best feeling, too, because I think like I think about those shows every time I do a bigger one. Like that last one I did in L.A. that was like 1,500 people or some shit. I was like, what the fuck? Like the first show I did in L.A., like I headlined it and we threw it ourselves and there was like a hundred, we sold out the room, but it was a hundred person room, you know? So it's like to do those bigger rooms and think about the earlier ones is crazy, especially when you have that moment with the audience where you kind of acknowledge the people that were there earlier and have seen you perform or whatever, see who's new to you and who's really been around. And uh, I was just talking to somebody about this with web three too, because I've like, I was trying to explain to someone what the value of an NFT is. If you don't care about the actual things that you're holding, yeah. the asset itself i was explaining that like it's still so wildly early for all of this stuff that like the idea is that all of it is going to go up in value as it just gets more widely adopted regardless of what the individual thing is that you invested in and then obviously at a certain point when it does get more, more widely adopted you know the your choices will matter more but right now it's just like anything you do right now is early, you know, because there's so much potential in the whole space. And so I've been doing, especially in Miami, like I've been around a lot of art people this week. I'm, I'm out here with a friend of mine who just closed her gallery to switch to like private sale or whatever, but she sells art and knows a lot of works with a lot of emerging artists in New York. Um, and we've just been having these conversations all week. Cause I think a lot of the art people I'm meeting are a little bit resistant to it. And I'm like, yeah, obviously having a piece of art on your wall that you can look at is beautiful and amazing and there's nothing wrong with that at all and this is not a substitute for that but it is something that you can do in addition um to help those artists and to support those artists and find other ways to engage with them so it's um it's just been funny having this conversation in the last week because i've been doing i've been kind of giving people the crash course like every day um yeah, I'm not I, even diving into the music part yet. They're not ready for that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> the music conversation is a whole other piece. I will say, though, it's like as far as being early, I think the, the thing that's happening is a lot of people see Instagram. And when I say that, I mean they see like the revolution of like social media and see like, oh, crazy pictures on your phone. But a lot of people don't even understand what a mobile phone is yet. And so it's this disconnect of having, you know, and I'm using these like older analogies, but it's like you you see the internet in 95 and someone's trying to tell you, yo, the internet's going to be crazy because Instagram is going to exist. And you're like, Instagram, like what? Like you can't even wrap your mind around that <laughs> concept because the iPhone doesn't exist yet or the mobile phone isn't, you know, the touchscreen phone, like that technology just isn't there yet. So I, it, it always kind of blows my mind because that's really what this is. We're like these NFT use cases that we're seeing, it's not what it's going to be like in a couple of years. Like these are the early, early days and people are still exactly this, trying to figure it out. So trying to judge a space off the, you know, the prototypes is – it's a little naive but – I think it's like what happens with most things. You know, there's artists that when I first heard them, I'm like, oh, I can't stand this person. And after hearing them a hundred times, I'm like, oh, okay, you know, maybe they're not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> so shit grows on you, man. Yeah, well, it does. And I think also, like, you know, if you told anyone today that, or if you told anyone in 1995 what Instagram was going to be, and told them that they had an opportunity to 
have a stake in it just by passively participating and being present, not even by just being at the, at the forefront of it, but just by participating and kind of accepting it and learning about it. 99% of people would take that opportunity. And it's crazy to me that people aren't looking at what's happening right now and recognizing how similar it is to the way things have developed over the last 20, 30 years and not seeing this as a second opportunity to hop on early, you know, um, that's I think really it's like people see it. That's just not clicking for so many people. It's like everything is obvious in hindsight. Like, oh, if I would have invested in Apple in the '80s, you know, I'd be a billionaire or whatever. Like, you know, it's like a lot of those arguments. And I think it's on us, the people that are seeing the potential of the space, to be having these types of conversations and to be pushing the envelope. Like one of my neighbors. So I'm in downtown Brooklyn, and there's a lot of like playwrights and stuff on my block. Just a lot of well, I don't want to call them like old jobs, but they're older people who have just been in their careers for longer periods of time. And one stopped me and saw an Instagram post that I had and asked me about NFTs. And I'm like, yo, like NFTs aren't new. In order for you to wrap your mind around it, like lose the hype, lose the headlines, lose whatever you know about it. And just think about digital ownership and being able to verify that you own something digitally. And they're like, okay, well, why are people paying these crazy high prices for art? And I'm like, no, 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 no. Let's not even let's not even think about that because the easiest way I can explain that is would you spend a million dollars on a Tom Brady collectible card? And they were right. like, no. And I'm like, well, that's the case right there. This already exists in our in your current world. People are already spending exorbitant prices to own things that are of value to them, but may mean nothing to you. Because I exactly. wouldn't spend $10 on any NFL <laughs> trading card, but that's just exactly. me. Yeah. And so unless, I, you want, I, unless you knew what it was worth and we're going to flip it, and then that's where. A, boom. Yeah. Or, or if it meant something to me, or if it was like I was just a huge fan and I have this crazy book where I can look back and for any number of reasons I rock with this. So yeah. I'm explaining this to her more on the NFT piece, and I'm like, yo. Think about your deed, right? And think about the fact that for somebody to verify that the deed that you're sending them is really yours, they have to check however many, you know, um, like points, we'll call it. There is no way to just say, oh, okay, this PDF that I was emailed is the legitimate PDF that I'm looking for and this information is unadulterated. But right. if your deed was an NFT and you sent it out somewhere, people could look on a blockchain ledger and say, oh, look, this came from the Kings County clerk and this is an official deed. Okay, boom. We're going right. to save whatever that manual process or even slowly automated checking process. And that is the big picture stuff with NFTs that like, I don't, I don't know how that would work. Um, I've had people run me proposals of, you know, manual entry to start and then converting and all of that. But either way, it's still, you know, the start of 2022 and that impl implementation has barely begun yet. And so what's that going to look like in 2026 when you go to buy a house and maybe your first deed is an NFT or your college degree? We know how easy it is to fake a diploma. It's wild <laughs> thinking about the fact that like MIT students started getting their degrees on the blockchain. But then it's like, damn, that kind of makes sense. It's like, oh, okay, this came from the official MIT smart contract and – 
I'm able to verify that this person actually did graduate. Look, here's their name as opposed to, oh, let me call the office. Let me wait for somebody on hold. Oh, we have to wait for someone else to confirm that this person actually went there. And it's a little use cases like that that are going to start coming about in everyday life that's really, really going to get people on board with it. Because they won't even know that it's an NFT. Like I, right, People exactly. don't understand TCP IP protocol, but you know how to use email. Yeah, exactly. That's, I think, what people aren't seeing right now. And I'm... In looking at music NFT Twitter every day, I'm also not seeing a lot of people draw these parallels in a way that makes sense to someone who has no idea what the fuck is going on. Because that was a very simple way to explain it. You can use the social media apps but not know how the internet works. You know? And yep. I think part of that is on the platforms. I think there's there's gonna be you know, every music NFT speaking specifically to music, like every music NFT platform that's out right now is very, very new and it's going to, you know, with any platform like that and with any web platform, even in web two, it takes a long time to get the UI um, and the user experience the way it you want it to be to its final form. And then even we see with, you know, apps as big as Facebook and Instagram, they're constantly updating. So it's like, I don't think that we're anywhere close to the final iteration of the way that music audio, one of one NFTs are minted and distributed and traded. And it's already pretty solid. Like even looking at things like Catalog and Zora, like they're pretty solid and straightforward if you choose to dive into them. But I think it's going to be a while before people, before those things are really easily onboardable for people who like don't even have a wallet and don't even want to think about what a wallet is and setting that up and what Ethereum is. You know, um, I don't know I do what's starting to happen. Turning point. Yeah, I don't say yeah. It definitely will be a massive turning point. I don't know that that's starting to happen when my grandmother owns an nft right. and i like i always use her as kind of my gauge where she's not completely out of the loop you know i think she has like an iphone 10 right now so a few years behind but once technology gets to a point where it has to become part of her everyday life i'm like oh, okay this has really you know seeded its way through the masses real quick i want to jump back <laughs> because i did not do our intro uh, and I'm so fucking excited to chop with you that I'm no surprise that I went over the intro. But what <laughs> is up? <laughs> Welcome to the seventh episode of Money Trees. I'm your host, Khufu, K-H-U-F-U. And I wanted to tell everyone to grab a pen and paper ahead of us starting to chop up because I knew that you were going to share some gems. But our guest today is extremely talented artist and music executive in the making. <laughs> <laughs> My guy, Kazi. How are you doing, G? What's up, man? Thank you. I'm so excited for this conversation because, I mean, I, like, <laughs> when you first asked me to do it, it was such a straightforward, like, yo, you want to do what we do, like, once a week anyway on the phone, but on Twitter spaces? And I was like, shit, yeah, I don't care where we do it, bro. I think these conversations are so <laughs> exciting. And it's just like, you know, every time we talk about this shit, I feel like we could go for another six hours. So we'll try to... um keep it together <laughs> yeah right that, that's funny i was saying that same thing like how the hell am i gonna have a 30 minute conversation with you right. it's like i'll call you and be like yo i need five minutes and then 50 minutes later we're like okay <laughs> yeah man. i think that um well we, we we talked a little bit about the we'll call it like philosophy around web3 in the space i think it's really really dope 
the way that you handle your career and just you live the shit that people talk about. And I say that from an independent perspective of like, yo, you want to see independence? Like literally go look at Kazi's feed. Look at what he posts about. Look at the work that he puts in from the infographics to the content to the video shoots to sharing the ups and downs to being real about, you know, your um, what you have to do. Like, yo, you show your job. You show when you were running around doing production shit during the city to help supplement income during COVID where it was like, yo, like this independent shit is not all glitz and glam and not that people say that it is, but it's like, yo, this is literally, I'm mood boarding. I'm here talking with A&Rs. I'm here trying to talk with PR. I'm here figuring out what's going on with lawyers. Like you are a one man show and you share that experience with everyone. And it's super, super ill to watch. You know, I try to help in any way that I can from the outside, but you you embody the spirit of Web3 to me. And that is what made me so excited to really get on and just record these conversations. Because I think that we have these great ideas and you're already starting to, you know, actualize them in your career. But people need this blueprint. And it's a thing of like, you agree with me where we don't want to be considered quote unquote better than anyone because we know something they don't. It's like, no, we're on the same exact playing field. I'm just outworking you. It's like, that's all that is, bro. It's like, no, I don't have any secret. There's nothing here. It's exactly what I'm telling you, but I'm just the one putting in the effort. I'm the one that's going to sleep thinking about it, waking up thinking about it. And like you said, living that where it's like, yo, you're down in Miami amazing place to start your year right back after we were being dgens for basil but you're still having those <laughs> conversations where it's like yo it's ill uh, you're on the beach and we're like yo hold on let me jump and go talk and talk with Koof and you know get on this money trees episode and i appreciate that man because we know how hard time is to come by in a period where it's a sandbox, right? We keep saying it. It's the wild, wild west. I don't know how many times I've heard people say that. So every moment you spend is really an opportunity to get ahead. And I think that you spend all of your moments very, very um, well, I guess to say. like You, you put in that time constantly Thank looking you. to build on your artistry, constantly looking to build on your brand. Kazi has sold his first music NFT through the uh, platform catalogs that we mentioned, amazing record. Just minted a music video NFT and put out another release as a music NFT. And I think all the records are gas, man, and the way you're going about it. You're touching a few of the different platforms. You're exploring ones that fit with your own ideologies. And really, you know, you have that why figured out. I've talked to a lot of people about like why you need to have the why figured out coming into the space. So we yeah. don't have to touch too much on that. But I will say, just from your perspective, like what was it like going through that or seeing the NFT craze start to happen and then deciding to jump in and going ahead and minting and then selling your first pieces? For sure. That was a crazy intro. Thank you for that. That was super nice. Um, so little background right like i have i grew up in new york and i've been independent for my whole career and one of the so i think one of the benefits of growing up in new york is that there's so many artists there people are bound to succeed and you can really watch so many success stories unfold and so so much of what i do right now is 
in terms of like the marketing and the PR and the learning the business and all the stuff that you just touched on is the stuff that I learned directly from studying other artists who were, you know, the generation above me and watching all of that unfold. Um, what I realized after a couple of years of doing that was that at a certain point, you know, you can work yourself as hard as you want and you can do all the creative and you can do all the, you can understand the strategy, but at the end of the day, you need to be able to fund it. And so for me, this was always a financial thing where it's like, I don't, you know, depend on my parents financially. I grew up around, I went to a private school, I had a private education in New York and my mom was a teacher and cares about education a lot. So we were very lucky to have that, but I didn't, I grew up around a lot of other people who had a whole lot of money that I didn't have. And so I felt from the, I had a little bit of a chip on my shoulder, whether that's like a healthy thing or not a healthy thing, I think is always a big debate in music. But, you know, that was a big part of the beginning of my career and figuring out how I wanted to kind of sculpt it um, and how I wanted to move. And so I spent a lot of time kind of just like hourly working and doing mad different day jobs like you touched on earlier to try to cover all the expenses of being an independent artist. But I've just realized after a couple of years of doing that, that there's, that's, it's not the most sustainable thing. And it's, it's, you know, there's so many costs associated with breaking a new artist, which is also something that I learned from working at a label that it's almost impossible to do it as an individual. So when I saw, I think the first person that I saw really breaking into that space was either Cooper or my manager, Michael saw shout out to Michael and um, just saw the, the freedom that, that was attached to those moves that were being made in that space. And that's, I see Cooper said a lot of time now, and I think that's a really good way to put it. The freedom of being able to release things and create things on your own schedule um, is a really key point for me. And I don't know if you're, I've, I, I think you know me at the time, but there was a point earlier in the year where Daniel Ek, one of the founders of Spotify, I think is the current CEO still, basically said, hey, if artists want to get paid more for their streams, they should just put out more music and put it out more frequently. And I remember being so frustrated seeing that and being like, yo, this is like, A, putting the responsibility on artists um, to get paid a fair, a fair wage for their work is insane. But also, specifically that approach was so frustrating to me because it just so it shows such a disconnect between a platform like Spotify and the creative community that powers it um and just such a lack of understanding of what that process actually what the that creative process actually looks like for almost all of us so I think in short the watching Cooper talk about it and watching my manager Michael talk about it and seeing how freeing it was for artists who were really active in the space um was a huge part of it and the, the kind of B part of it was seeing how much easier it was in the space for real supporters of an artist to, to support them in more ways than there were even just like a couple months ago um partly in selling nfts but also partly through being able to offer so much other utility through um nfts or through or through pops or any any other tokenized experiences that you can sorry give me one second no, you're good. You're good. Out at Soho Beach House. I got oh, a, yeah. I got a name drop while you can't. <laughs> around. Um, oh, man, Kazi is filming live. <laughs> well, recording. Keep going. Keep going. My bad, G. No, you're good. That's um, yeah, no, I think just the reward. Oh, we stepped out and lost you. If you can hear. 
So, Kaz, run, run that back. Lost you after you said you stepped out. Still losing you. Still getting rugged. While we attempt to reconnect with young Kazi, he hit on some really, really ill points in there. Talking on freedom and what Web3, like, you know, oh, oh, he's gone. We lost him completely. All right. Our first disconnect moment, momentous, you know, seven episodes in. I'm not, I'm not too upset at that, honestly. I feel like it could have happened sooner and been worse. Um, oh, Kazi is back. Okay. Boom. Invite to co host. Requested. How do I let you up? Um. Yeah, I heard. I heard you talking before, but I couldn't speak. You were saying this is the first one to disconnect. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it's all good. I was saying. Um. I was saying you. Uh, I was just trying to pick up. Um. From where you were saying you stepped out. That was where we lost you. Was gotcha. when you said, "Oh, you had to step out." But um. Yeah. Just you were summing up your experience. Yo, you back? Yeah, yeah, I think we're good. That is one thing I will say. Kazi being in Miami, like you pretty much got to be on Wi-Fi. I felt like everywhere in South Beach had two signals or two signal yeah. bars for AT&T, T-Mobile, Verizon. Like, the service is just not good. Yeah, I didn't even leave the building. I just went from one room to another room, but I guess it was the wrong room. <laughs> um, so we're good. But yeah, no, I think- Wherever you're at now, you are good. Okay, it's cool. I'm going to stay in this hallway. Um, <laughs> right in front of, I'm, I'm standing in the hallway. <laughs> I like the office. reverb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In front of the schedule for all the nightlife stuff that's happening here. And there's just a big-ass picture of Wall Street Fire from Major Laser in front of me. So I'm going to focus on that. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I think, honestly, the Spotify thing pissed me off. And I Michael started putting me onto Web3 like right around the same time. And I, I was, it was a, the perfect timing of and the perfect solution I'm frustrated about for a very long time so the main thing for me was just realizing that there were only so many ways for artists to support I mean for fans to support an artist before it was literally only buy merch or like come to a show or get real creative with a crowdfund and the problem with crowdfunds for the longest time is that they're essentially just like charity I don't think people really do crowdfunds for the benefits that are connected to them for the most part you can but it's like I think the idea of any individual being able to invest in an artist rather than just donate to an artist is a, is a game changer. And I don't know that, that which is weird because there obviously were ways to do that before Web3, but it just feels more streamlined now. Um, for, even though there's something- The perception is different. and The perception is different and I'm still kind of trying to figure out why. Have you thought about this? Yeah, I, I would say it's <laughs> it's funny, right? If you think about online shopping, if you're going to buy something that's $35, if you saw it and it was $34.99 plus free shipping, and you saw the exact same thing for $29.99 but $5 shipping, that $5 shipping one, like you wouldn't be inclined to go for that because you feel like you're paying extra or it's like just this weird kind of psychological barrier as opposed to even though the $34.99 is the exact same price, oh, shipping is free. And so Thanks. now 
you start to you start to present it differently, and it changes that perception. Whereas, like you look at Dela, and Dela had the largest music Kickstarter crowd or the largest music crowd fund that I'm aware of um, for any artist, and that we did that before NFTs. You know what I mean? That was to lead up to any anonymous nobody album, which was what five six years ago at this point, and it didn't require any tokenomics. Raised three quarters of a mil. So it's not like it was a small number and that worked. And what did we do? We added utility. We said, oh, you get signed notebooks or you get merch or you get signed vinyls. And it's all concepts that are just now being applied in this new Web3 space. But again, none of it is new concepts. It's just to me, it's actually going back damn near old school because people are like, oh, why does Bitcoin have value? And it was like, why does the dollar have value? Why do rocks have value? Why did people trade rocks for cows? It was all just on whatever you could convince somebody else it was worth. And I hear a lot about in NFTs, like the greater fool theory, which is like, oh, some people are just buying something, expecting there to be a greater fool out there that will pay them more for the NFT. And that's where a lot of the hate comes in. Because it's like, oh, you're just buying this picture of whatever because you're trying to have this one come up. And I think that that's only one piece of it. And people are too focused on that one piece of it. To what you were just talking about earlier with utility, um, I, I'm, I'm going to ask on air and feel free to say no. But can we, ta- can we talk about the one project? With like the World of like the branding of it or just the, the concept of it? Yeah, we can do yeah, that. It's fine. Okay. So we talk about utility, right? And part of me wanting to do money trees was so moments like this were stamped, right? It's like, cool. We got some people here in the Twitter space that are hearing it live. You know I'm going to um, take the audio and then post it everywhere. And then when these ideas start to materialize, people are going to be like, oh, shit, okay. this These aren't overnight successes. This is right. literally the product of months if not years of work and tons of different iterations and tons of different conversations to get it to the point where you're now seeing it trying to demystify the whole thing um and i i I do want to talk on the kazi world piece but i want to touch back on one last thing uh with you and your nft sales where just because you put your music up as an nft the work did not stop there you still were promoting heavy. You still were spending a lot of time explaining to people what NFTs were and getting them to understand why you were then selling it as an NFT. I think right. that's another thing for artists is like, you can't just come into the space and say, oh, look, I minted this. Now it's worth this price. Even if you feel that it's worth it, you have to convince somebody else that it is worth it. And that may be through your words, that may be through your story, that may be through just the art itself. You may be one of the greatest artists ever and you just upload a picture, you don't talk to anyone, you have no relationships, nothing, and it sells for hundreds of thousands of dollars. That is the exception. The majority of people will have to put in work in some form or fashion. Going back to this Kazi world idea, and we were talking about utility, and we're talking about creating an NFT that doesn't necessarily require the value of it, the monetary value of it to go up, where it's like Kazi has this super ill brand that he's building, and the idea is Kazi world. And we were talking about like, yo, what could NFTs look like in Kazi world? 
And he mentioned the idea. He's like, well, what about passports? He's like, what can we do with passports? And he said that, and it was like fucking Times Square lit up in my head. <laughs> like, forget a single light bulb. Like, it was <laughs> tens or hundreds of millions of little, little LEDs. <laughs> so it's like, all right, Kazi is super young, super talented. He has this world, Kazi world. Imagine if everyone that wanted to be a fan of Kazi or was a fan of Kazi or wanted to start collecting memorabilia from Kazi world had a passport. And now you get this NFT passport. And every single time that you buy an NFT from Kazi or you go to one of his shows or you buy a piece of merch, your passport gets stamped. And now you start having this passport that has a stamp of all these interactions that you've had in Kazi world. And it starts to become your like memorabilia from this world. And now it's like, oh shit, you actually have a passport for Kazi world that shows all the places you've gone and traveled with this artist. Now, I don't know what the resale value of that is because... I don't think that that should be the focus. I think as an experience, that is insane. Like to me, that is one of the coolest things. Like I immediately was like, damn, I want one of these. I need a Kazi World passport so I can say, oh yeah, I bought the real ones NFT when it was on CreateSafe. Or it's like, nah, I got the real ones one of one that was on catalog. Or like, yo, I pulled up to the Kazi party in March that ended up having a guest appearance from Mia Gladstone and all these other people. And then it's like, wow, I was there for that moment. Or then it's yeah. like, damn, Kazi is headlining Coachella. I have my Kazi passport from when I was at his first show. I was stamped and I was there. That is a different level of engagement, of interaction. And yes, that's something that's, you know, fan clubs, street teams, all of that has existed prior to nfts but it's never been so easily manageable and that's all we're getting at here when we talk nfts and why at least i know people like me and kazi are so excited about it is we get to start thinking in ways that just weren't feasible before there wasn't a way for that passport to be verifiable and tracked and done at scale and now it's like yo I told Kaz, what you got to do is lean into, you know, he has a super ill clothing brand that he's um, not even developing. Like, he's developing, but it's out and it's it's ill. And your attention to detail is fire. So you start designing a passport that actually becomes a physical passport. And it becomes a thing of like, yo, maybe it's set up like it's a little tablet or like a Kindle or a Nook. And, and you send these out to people, they pay for them, and their NFTs are displayed and it's Kazi-specific on this particular passport. But now it's like, yo, you got Kazi World, you got your passport. And what if Kazi's like, yo, anyone with a physical Kazi World passport, anytime you come to a show, if you have this stamp, you just show it at the gate and now that's your ticket. Or you start sending tickets directly to people to write to their passport. And again, you you could send tickets through email, you could do whatever, but that interaction is different. That perception starts to feel a lot different. And it's just like, damn, oh, okay, like, yeah, I want to be a part of this. You start creating people that want to be in this, that want to have the most decorated Kazi World passport. 
that want to say they are the most traveled in it, that want to say they have never missed anything. And when you have a 15-year career, you give fans the opportunity to really grow with you and to really experience things in a way that like, I was saying it the other day, I wish I still had uh, my CD cases for my first two albums where I could look back at the liner notes and see that. But I just, I didn't. And there wasn't even a way to really collect it digitally. And, you know, iTunes kind of fucked up the whole digital game anyway, because buying music isn't really a thing anymore. But even when it was, Apple took 30% of that and they told you, I mean, you know, you could change the price kind of, but for the most part, they determined the price. Like it was 99 cents for a song. And going against that grain, not that it couldn't work, but it was just a lot more difficult than it is. And again, it just becomes that perception thing that we said earlier, because you look at someone like Nip and Nip smoked it where he did the, and we, I've talked about his projects for sure. Like he would have killed web three, but he was already in the mindset of my value is what I say it is. And there are people who are willing to give me what it is that I'm worth. That and, is very, very important. And that's something I've been yes. talking about a lot recently is like, I think a lot of people who are getting into Web3, especially, you know, people who are creating NFTs are doing it to try to come up really quickly. And what I've been trying to explain to people is that the, the long game here is reestablishing the value of the music or the art, whatever it is that you, that you make. And for me, I had like, so I, I minted my, Kufu said this earlier, but I minted my first one-of-one audio NFT on a platform called Catalog couple months ago with the reserve price of one ETH. Had no idea that was going to sell. Didn't even really expect it to in the first few months, but I wanted to do it just to establish, hey, this is what a one-of-one audio NFT from me is worth. And if it, no one buys it for a year, fine, but that's my, that's my minimum. The same way that my feature price and my show fee and everything are set. Um, and I'm seeing a lot of people get in the space and be frustrated that things aren't selling and thinking, maybe should I mark this down? Should I cancel my auction? Blah, blah, blah. And I really think that it's the most important thing here is to establish this is what the art is worth and just to stand on that for as long as possible. Um, the reason I say that is because this is one of the only spaces in music or in art in general where we've been able to determine that on our own now that we're kind of just like at the mercy of, of streaming platforms like Spotify or even like YouTube. Um, so that's something I've been trying to impress upon people a lot. And then you, that's usually where utility comes into the conversation because it's like, okay, well, if it's worth that, how do you justify that? Second key thing in terms of utility is obviously a big part of music NFTs is having a creator share so that you do make money off the secondary market, which is great. But I also think that there's really something to be said for creating an NFT that's worth holding. That's not intended to be flipped. And if it is flipped, it's, it's, a, it's for a different reason. And you're not buying these NFTs with the intention of flipping them later on. Great example is Frank Dukes, amazing super producers, worked with Drake, Weekend, everybody. Um, just started this project called The Ghost of Frank Dukes. And this is his NFT project. And they had, um, I forget what the number was, but they did like a, their first public mint a couple of weeks ago in December. And didn't sell out, but no one is even trying to resell them right now because the utilities that are for a producer or for an artist and a songwriter, the utilities that are attached to this NFT that we now all hold are so much more valuable than trying to flip this thing because we're now connected to this huge producer 
who's creating all these sick opportunities for artists, writers, producers to collaborate with him, collaborate with other people in his network, have access to samples that he's created in a private library that's not open to the public and things like that. So that's really where I see, although obviously there is like short, short-term uh, income from flipping NFTs, I really think that that's where the long-term value is going to be. So for me personally, with the Passport thing, I think the reason that that idea or that that phrase sparked so many ideas for us when we first came up with it was that it gives you a framework and a structure to put all of those utilities inside and give them a way to exist that's tangible for people to really understand. Um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like that was probably the, the most exciting thing for us when we came up with that, no? That was that was definitely it. It became that it's that story though, and that's what we always talk about. Where a lot of this stuff and people, that, I think that's part of the whole demystifying, is there aren't a lot of huge differences in what works and what doesn't. There's a lot of great music out there. There's a lot of great art that just does not get the attention that it deserves but a lot of times you can pinpoint why that didn't happen and it becomes little things like oh you know the marketing angle didn't really connect or the story wasn't presented correctly or the way that the artist saw it in their head wasn't the way that fans were able to connect with it and these little kind of breaks in the chain can prevent things from becoming huge successes and on the flip side little things like the kazi world passport where just from the fact of one-to-one, okay, Kazi World and Passport, the fact that you already associate traveling and going around the world with, uh, you know, having a passport and needing to do that. Oh, it's a pandemic. Wow, I'm locked (laughs) down. I actually can't go. (laughs) You're like, it's a pandemic? No, sir, not I. Um, But just, just that... (laughs) just that experience layer changes it for people and i think that it's it's underrated it's like you'd be surprised how well well executed story elements can take up an artist's experience and take a project to the next level like we have an artist tyla who dropped the record and the record is incredible but the record came out in October of 2019 and no, I won't say nobody, like it got a few, like tens of thousands of streams and it was cool. We sent it to all our people, did all the things that we normally do. And the reaction was what it was. People saw the music video and I mean, (laughs) it sent them over the top. And that's another story to go look at, not to like take the shine away from your piece, but it's just a very direct example of like, sometimes you have to feed it in a certain way. And a lot of times, especially in our day and age, we don't realize or we don't remember how long records used to take to break. Like a record would come out and it wouldn't be popping, popping for nine months, sometimes to two years later from the release date. And even when we look at our stars right now, like Truth Hurts with Lizzo, that record was out two years before it blew up. 
It's not going to be an instant thing. You have to put in the work. You have to figure out what is your narrative that's going to help people connect with you. People talk about community all the time in this space. It's like, what does that actually mean to be a part of a community? Are you contributing? Are you really bringing value to the people here? Are you uplifting the people that are in the space and trying to help them get further along? If you are doing these things and putting in the work, we are all so early that you will be rewarded. Uh, I talk about the wag me and the whole we're all going to make it mindset. And I don't have an issue with it, but I do at the same time. Because I think people are leaving out the fact that everyone that puts in the work will make it. And I believe that because I think that a lot of people are going to be here and not put in the work. And just from that sheer process of elimination, it's like time, you know, having money in the market if you just let your money sit from 2000 to 2020, you would have made money on most major investments. And so it becomes a thing of like the people that are just having the conversations that are trying to find their way in the space that put in the work, they will make it. And all of this I see in you on the daily, Kazi. And that is why I'm so excited one, that you came on the show and we got to document some of this, but also just to keep watching your journey where it's like, it, it's, it's exciting, man. <laughs> like, I, I don't, I don't want to, you know, drown it in hyperbole, but you really do embody that. You really do put in the work. You really do step up for all genders, all ethnicities, like representation is a real thing for you. And it's not something that you're trying to practice or trying to learn how to do, even as a person of mixed heritage. And I think that all of these kind of elements make you who you are. And it's a foregone conclusion you'll succeed in this space, man. Thank you, bro. I mean, I think, so one of the things I was just talking to Michael, my manager, about the other day is just that, like, it's really easy if you're not around people who are in the space to start to feel like you're losing your shit <laughs> because it's so it's, it's the kind of thing where it's like, it's so groundbreaking and this shit is going to be so wildly world changing, but it's like so many people just aren't seeing it yet. And I think if you're, if you're not surrounding yourself with people who are also in this mindset and are also really trying to learn and share ideas in an openly exchanged way, it's really easy to just like feel isolated. And so it's, I feel very lucky to have people like him and like you around that we can have these conversations with all the time. And uh, I think it's dope that you're, that you're moving that conversation literally into the space too, because I don't, I'm not seeing a lot of that happening. And I think that every one of these little chats is going to end up being a major part of history. So I'm, I think it's so dope that you're doing this. I'm, I'm very grateful to be able to do this with you all the time and uh, also to, to do it on this forum. My G, man, that, that is love. You are as Soho Beach House, as I probably have mentioned for the 35th time, <laughs> a little jealous. It's cold as hell here in the city. I'm going to let you jump. But before I let you go, I want to thank you for coming on. You know, all the great sentiment that I said. Very excited to see many of these things materialize. I cannot wait to have my first Kazi World passport. That <laughs> is just an, like, that's, that's going to be ill. I have a thing where I ask everyone what's their seed phrase and the seed phrase if you were to sum up a lot of what we talked about today or just your kind of philosophy your motto on the the seeds that we planted today or the seeds that you're just planting in you know your web three career 
what would that seed phrase be? I'm gonna, so I have one that I live by, and it's not mine, but it's by another creator who's a good friend of mine who I will take this opportunity to shout out. Do you know, do you know Ant Blue Jr., Stony Blue? Stony Blue, no. Uh-uh. I know Tangina Stone, whose Instagram name is Stone Blue. Okay, this is but. so confusing all the time. I, I don't know who that person is, but I see that person's Instagram on a regular basis, and I always think it's my boy. But... <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Now, Tangina's ill. She's a really ill songwriter and artist. Um, but yeah, my fault. What were you saying? See, that's my thing, though, right? Like, I was just fine not knowing who that person was and being like, oh, I know the real Stony Blue. But now that it's somebody you fuck with, now I got to figure out how to <laughs> coexist in my world. I don't know how I feel about that. But no, nah, my boy, uh, my boy Stony Blue, aka Amp Blue Jr., he's a DJ, producer photographer animator visual artist like one of those just does it all and his brand record label whatever umbrella company for everything he does is called diy diy and it stands for believe in yourself do it yourself and it's funny because i feel like there's like I, as i think most independent artists pretty much believe in that phrase and just live by that completely. And I think you kind of have to, to just like blindly jump into an industry like this and just like hope this shit works out. You kind of have to tell yourself that you know it will and do so many things on your own. Like we talked about at the beginning of this chat. And um, I just haven't, I hadn't heard someone put it as concisely as he did until I saw him start using that phrase and start using that in his branding and everything. And I think that I've seen that catch on throughout New York since he started. And I think that, it's, I love it partly because it just embodies my mentality, but also partly because I think it embodies the spirit of New York, too. Um, and it's that, that mentality is what has brought me and a lot of the people I care about and work with together. So um, I think if I were to pick one, that's what it is right now. We're going to see. It's either that or just like, let's get the spread. Let's get this bread is the everyday motto. Yo, believe in yourself. Do it yourself. Nah, the way you explained it, the story behind it, that is that is a seed phrase. That is a or, seed phrase to carry through in Web3. I know I keep cutting you off, Cosmo. <laughs> what are you going to say? Uh, or fucking we ball. I don't know. There's so many, bro. <laughs> nah, man. You hit it. You hit it. Don't, don't look. Believe in yourself. You came through with the first one. The first one you started with, <laughs> that was the one right there. Believe in yourself. Do it yourself. That's it. We got a really ill Kazi Money Tree 7 note. What am I setting that reserve price at? Shit, seven thousand set. Not up. <laughs> bro. No, keep it. Stand on it. Are you not kidding that. me? What? Look, they go. They gonna see uh, going through the motions, gold platinum, and be like, wait a second. There's a Kazi NFT that's uncollected. Where? I need Let's that. <laughs> so seven is my number. It's my number because my birthday is July seven seven seven. So I think should we go seventy seven ETH? Seventy seven ETH. Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> seven seven. Oh yeah. Bruh, this is I cannot wait. And on the seventh episode, we're gonna come back <laughs> sooner than we think. Sooner than we fucking think and be like, hey yo, hey yo. I was gonna say a year, but even like six months from now, we might have another conversation to have. I don't know. You'll see. Oh yeah, bro. I mean, I'm th- these are four days a week for the foreseeable. So we'll we'll see, man. Plenty, plenty four more to talk about. We literally Oh yeah, Monday through Thursday. Shit. 
Jesus, that's so much web three. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, I mean, yeah, literally yesterday, me and Imani talked web three for like six minutes, and the rest of it was just New Year <laughs> plans and other ish.